Hey, welcome, 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 and thank you so very much for joining me for another episode of Talking Cloud. Now, you know, this is where we talk about cloud, anything, all things cloud and cloud computing, a little bit of a slant towards security because everybody should be slanted a little bit towards security, uh, but there's nothing off, uh, uh, off the table uh, because I believe cloud is is the pervasive uh, architectural model we're going to see over the next several decades, and it's super fun to talk about it. And of course, I get the great benefit of inviting these amazing guests. And today, I'm like, I feel like a celebrity um, because I'm super excited to talk with our guest today. Now, I went through her uh, LinkedIn profile and I thought it was really kind of interesting because she said, you know, I'm going to back off of this long history. I'm just going to tell you, I know how to do this stuff. I've been doing it a long time. She kind of truncated it all. And so you've got this block of 15 years, CISO and CIO at the country's largest public power utility. Uh, I mean, and now uh, she's never done anything differently than Global CISO. Uh, and today, for now, it's five years or almost. Uh, my guest has been the chief information security officer at a very well-known company, MongoDB. And I'm so fortunate to be able to sit and talk with Lena Smart. Man, it's cool. It's great. It's awesome to see you, Lena. Thank you so much for taking time with me today. No, thank you for having me. This is always fun. This is just a chat with a friend, really, that happens to be recorded. So this is always fun. <laughs> That's exactly how I look at it, too. I mean, you know, one of the things I was looking through on just the dates, uh, and I can see that, uh, you know, I, I it, we're close. I think I might have a, a, a couple on you, but we're close. And so it's fun always to talk with someone like you that uh, has had the same kind of background uh, in terms of tenure in the industry, you know? Yeah, there's there's a lot of, of newer CISOs out there and, you know, God bless them. It's a, it's a hard job and it's, it's being made harder, I think, with, uh, you know, our various issues that have been happening in the past few months around SolarWinds and then before that Uber. You yep. know, I think a lot of CISOs are being held and quite rightly so, accountable and responsible for security at their companies. But I do feel that sometimes they're getting thrown under the bus a wee bit. I was reading an article today about the mm. the lady who was the CISO at Clorox and right. she departed. And, you know, I there but for the grace of God goes any of us. You know, yep. you just don't know. You you can't know everything that's going on everywhere. You try, you try your best, you put out yep. policies, you have procedures, you have guardrails in place. And you you hope that you've created a culture of innovation but openness. And I and I'm a wee bit worried that with the, the SEC starting to go after CISOs and particularly the the CISO at SolarWinds, it may stymie open conversation within companies. And that's sure. that's my fear. That's what we've been working with legal on that to, to make sure that people know here's what you should talk about. Here's what you should not talk about. You know, yeah. use common sense. But a yeah. lot of the times, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners have experienced this, if you're in the midst of a situation, 
you sometimes just don't have time to think, oh my gosh, yep. how's this going to look in the front page of the New York Post? Right, and so right. it's something else that's added on. You know, we're, we're, most of us are very pragmatic in our roles, but I'm worried that maybe some of the, the newer CISOs who haven't gone through the wars like we have, um, you know, maybe don't understand that level of responsibility and how it's growing and how it's grown uh, specifically over the past year, 18 months. No and kidding. I, I would say that make sure you're talking to your legal department, make sure you understand your responsibilities. If you're an officer of the company like I am, what does that mean? Right. And, you know, if you need to push back, if someone is asking you to do something that you think is a bit iffy, which thankfully has never happened to me, mm -hmm. um, but I'm sure that people have been in situations where they're like, oh my gosh, should I be doing this? Should I be right. signing this off? You know? Use your legal counsel and use external representation if you have to. As I say, I'm incredibly lucky to work for a company like MongoDB that really understands this and understands the risks. And, and my boss, Michael Gordon, who's the, the CFO and COO, and Andrew Stevens, our head counsel, are just incredibly supportive. And so I, I know that I'm very lucky in my situation. But, you know, just a, a word of warning to others out there who maybe haven't looked at this so deeply. Mm. Know your know your own rights within your company and make right. sure that you're covered. Yeah, you know I think that's really. I mean, and, and come on, Lena. I mean, it seems, albeit there's some people that boast high high percentage of efficacy. At the end of the day, one hundred percent is kind of impossible, really. With the uh, I. I was yeah. With with with, with when when my stack consists of what you know the Clorox for example I mean how, just their security stack how many vendors got to be at least 20 30 40 right and the number of products and now you have to dig into each one of those and look at the potential vulnerabilities any CVEs I mean that starts yep. to become very very broad landscape that you got to worry about and it seems to me impossible to have 100% efficacy against quote unquote anything that could happen tomorrow. Yeah, I, I was reading an article because uh, as you know, I very well prepare for these podcasts with you because you always ask the most amazing questions. Ah. And I was, I was reading um, just, you know, how many companies are actually looking at this, taking this seriously understanding the roles and responsibilities of their CISO. And also I noticed that ransomware and third parties are likely to be the most active attack vectors within mm. the next coming, you know, 12 to, to, to 18 months. Wow. I'm sure AI will have something to do about that. But uh, I think, yeah, if, if you don't know who's in your network and what they're doing, make that a priority. You have Boy. to understand who, who's in your house. You know, I always use yep. the, the house analogy because I think my mum thinks I'm some kind of security guard because I'm always talking about <laughs> security of houses. With her. And, you know, I've, I've explained to, to vendors, if I let you in my house, you know, you're going to take your shoes off and behave yourself and I need to know where you are at all times. You know, you don't go hiding in the bathroom. Yeah. I need to know where you are and what you're doing Yeah. and what that risk is to me. So we did create an internal database of, of what we believe are all internal apps and all external facing apps. And we have a map of that. But as you say, you, you can't know everything all the time. And I think anyone who stands up and says we're 100% covered is 
you know, being ill-advised as to their status, yeah. let's put yeah. it that Back way. Back away from the car. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and we work very closely. We've got an amazing procurement team. So we're aware of people buying new software. It goes through my team. We make sure that we review that third party. Mm-hmm. We've done a review of existing third parties. So we feel that we've got a good idea on what we know about. But again... Anyone who stands up and says they've got a hundred percent coverage for every piece of software that's in there, mm. their staff, their internal communications, their networking, yeah. Yeah. even people who are working from home, what do they have on their machines? It's like, yeah. where do you stop? You know, yeah. it never, it never really stops. Which is, yeah, and I, you know, good. what I think about uh, Lena is, you know, you when you think about cloud and and what's going on in in cloud computing and how many. Just the incredible proliferation of identities that are not humans, right? Yep. Um, there's a there's a ton, and I don't know how many people are really managing and addressing and looking at and and maintaining and properly deprecating identities within their infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's that's a very good point. I mean, we've created what we're called what we've called our kill switch. So when someone leaves, you you know you hit the magic kill switch, and it goes through all of the access that that person had, and then the yeah, gates. Yeah, brilliant. But yeah. Again, there. If you don't know something, and you don't know someone had access to it, and they're not all going through your two-factor authentication, that's an open hole. And, yeah. you know, so we've got all these different checks and balances and it's time consuming, but, you know, you can buy tools that help you do this and that's fine. But I wonder if people are just relying too much on this one, you know, as we've quoted it, kill switch. And and we don't. We make sure that we go into our, our different systems and we, we search for the person's name and we make sure mm-hmm. that they're not listed there anymore. And it is time consuming, but at least we know that it's being done. Right. And, you know, hand on heart, we can go to our, our customers, you know, we are doing our, the best that we can. Uh, thankfully, we've got low turnover of staff, which is good. People right. don't seem to leave. Um, but, you know, when people leave, we need to make sure that the access they had, they no longer have. And that that is time consuming, but it's super important. Uh, yep. Because you know that people are watching, they're watching LinkedIn. I mean, I, I was even reading an article about how the hackers are, are looking at LinkedIn and seeing who just changed jobs. And then they're trying their old credentials with their old employer just to see, do they still hmm. have access? Hmm. And, you know, that's just eye-opening. And I'm sure, uh, I think you, you yeah. mentioned in your email when you sent it to me, some of the things to talk about, you know, yeah. the, the eye-opener of the hackers. Uh Telling on one of the companies that they had right. hacked. I'm like, when yeah. is this going to end? It's Isn't like, oh that my remarkable? I, 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 yeah. It's like that the burglar, was... you know, the burglar phoning up the police and saying, right. oh, the lock in her front door was dodgy. So we emptied the house, but by the way, it's her fault for having a dodgy front door. It's like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> right. I, I mean, just re- remarkable. And the brashness, right? Uh, the, the, just the, the fact that they are willing to to do that it just shows uh it, it's the one of the things i have to just mention as you're talking uh about i think one of the things that i have a difficult time doing sorry i've started three sentences right there um <laughs> is to to think like 
a hacker. You know, you said, look for people changing jobs, go back to the old company using their credentials. Um, that's that's amazing to me, not not unbelievable, uh, because you know, yeah, that makes sense. I get it. And then immediately I start thinking other, you know, uh, nefarious ways that they can, you know. And it, obvious one is the posting that anytime you say oh, we're going on vacation here this week, or mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, I can't wait to be gone for two months, or. Any of these things that, and what's different, I think, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, Lena, but here's what I think is different now. And, you know, this whole phenomenon of large language, generative AI, uh, uh, of these tools that now have the ability to, to just do so many tasks so fast uh, it, that now I'm going to have so many different samplings, so many different attempts at, at uh, I mean, just sick AI on finding all the people that posted, hey, I just got a new job instead of me having, yep. right? I mean, the, the things are going to get pretty gnarly, uh, it seems, because it seems in the same way you and I think about using AI as, you know, a personal assistant. Sort of the bad guys, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, if I was, if I was a bad guy, AI would be my dream resource at the moment. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the data privacy and leakage. There's, you know, the AI models that, that are yep. being broken the minute they go live. Uh, I mean, this does, I think, pose significant threats to, to privacy and just general safety online. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this, this, Exposed data could be used to, I don't know, generate convincing personal information for malicious purposes so they can take Grant Asplund, you know, mimic him on Facebook, get get followers. Now we've got a new Grant Asplund and, you know, ask questions, get information. It's all out there. Want a scarier Um, one? Lena, I just saw this, I I think it was today, uh, 23andMe. Breached. Yes. Yep. Now, 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 couple, it was what you're talking about right there. But it's not just me, Grant mm-hmm. Asplund, and my voice and my pictures and videos of me, but it's my flipping DNA. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's applications out there now that can take, I think it's three seconds of your accent and your, well, your, your words. Yep. And create you know, an avatar that sounds like you, talks like you, has the same mannerisms as you. I did try it with my accent. It wasn't very, very good, thankfully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think they've reached Glasgow in Scotland yet, hopefully. <laughs> um, it's a particular accent. But when it comes to, you know, when it comes to an American accent, a generic yep. American accent, as I would put it, yep. it's trivially easy to copy oh. that now and... You know, that's your authentication challenge right there. Facial recognition, voice recognition, oh. uh, you know, can be potentially used to bypass all these yep. security measures that we've put in place. Totally. So that's just that's really worrying to me. I mean, there's so much good that could be done with AI, mm. but we know that there can be an equivalent, if not more, amount of bad done with it. And, and that's what I hope the companies are, are watching for. You know, we're, yep. we're working with a couple of companies who, you know, 
again, this is all new to everybody, but a couple of companies we're working with is uh, privateai.com. We're using them for data obfuscation. And then we've partnered with a company called Robust Intelligence. I don't know if you remember them, but those were the folks who basically hacked NVIDIA's LLM within Uh hours of it coming out. Mm. They they got it to, to... you know, spew out information that it shouldn't have. And right. I, I connected with their CEO, Yaron Singer, and, you know, he was amazing and just said, hey, mm. come chat with us, see what we can do, see what we can work on. And so we're, you know, we're taking a look at their offerings. And again, it's all new. You know, who's yeah. going to be here in a year? How much money am I going to invest in these companies? I mean, hopefully they'll be here. I do hope so. Yep. Uh, but there's so many out there offering oh. much of the same thing. You yep. know, so who do you how, how do you choose who do you choose with? <laughs> yeah, that's it's uh, you know it's funny. So one of the things that I've been doing uh, uh, when I have just a few minutes because you know it, it's futile to try to sell anything and present a bunch of slides or anything. And so I always when I'm out, I like to end up providing some resources, some information. My audience can actually go and go down a rabbit hole or two uh, as it relates to AI. And one of them, I think I already had mentioned to you maybe, was the video, The AI Dilemma. Uh, It's from the same people that I think uh, created The Social Dilemma. Uh, And it's a fascinating video on YouTube. It's an hour, seven and a half minutes long. It's from the the Center for Humane Technology. It is, man, I highly recommend it for anybody, everybody, because one of the things they do really well, and I'm a Gilligan, uh, is is, um, what happened here recently with this whole shift to everything being language and, 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 and that impact of how everything then subsequently kind of became working together so advancements were exponential. Uh, But it's also equally frightening. And I'll tell you, this is what bugs me. My whole life, and maybe I'm just old, but my whole (laughs) life, you know, if there's something after the equal sign, okay, you can back into the equation all the way and figure and see how you got there, right? There are outcomes that uh, there are outcomes that are, they're all fully explainable. But that's not the case in some of this AI stuff. It's, you know, no. some of this generative AI is actually, the outcomes can't be explained. And this is actually spoken about in this video. That to me is concerning. There's a, there's a really good series. I don't know if you've been watching it. My My other half was binge watching them and they've got, Stanford University has a whole bunch of free lectures on YouTube, and they are amazing. Now, some of them are older. Uh, some of them are, you know, just from a few months ago. But it basically allows you to to learn about AI and how things are layered upon layer upon layer of information. Mm-hmm. And it does somewhat take your, you know, your stance of working it back from the, the equal sign. And... And it shows how things can be built up, but also how things like bias and misrepresentation can can slip in, you know, rubbish in, rubbish out, yep. uh, leading to what could be harmful products or, or skewed data. Right. And then right. that can result, you know, in discriminatory practices or, yep. or 
in some cases worse, the dissemination of false information. And that goes back to my my initial point about CISOs having to understand their roles and responsibilities. You know, I have to have a good understanding of what we as a company are doing with AI. Right. On top of my real job of being a CISO, and, <laughs> you know, we've actually taken two people full time, two engineers with my team, and mm. their role is to be the AI gatekeepers. I mean, they're looking at what our developers are working on. They are trying to break what they're, you know, the code that's been written. And, but that's two full time people that we now have working on this, that we're working wow. on different things last year. So I'm wondering if, if people are going to be putting, not a halt to, but maybe cutting back on some of their innovation while they work on this particular innovation. And is it going to work out or is it not? You know, you're not going to double yeah. your staff and have half of them work on AI and half of them work on everything else that they were meant to work on. There's going to be, there's going to be cuts. And so I really hope that AI can be used to fill the gap. I'm just yep. concerned that we're, we're spending a lot of time on the, the latest shiny object. Yeah. And what are we actually going to get from it? Are we too early or... You know, are we right on time? Are we looking at it at the right time? So that's that's always the balancing act in my head is like security versus innovation. It's a it's a really tricky tightrope to walk. There's um, a website, Lena, you may know about. There's an AI for that. No apostrophe. <laughs> no apostrophe. Excuse me, of course, but it is. There's an AI for that. If you type that all out without an apostrophe. Uh, dot com. Uh, it, it's amazing because there's some uh, something near ten thousand now, uh, or over ten thousand different AI that they've uh, have on their website with some four thousand plus different jobs essentially. Yep. Um, yep. And. I mean, it's amazing. And I've actually found some stuff that's, wow, really, really amazing to create <laughs> blogs that um, are maybe just um, not any compelling, amazing thought, but maybe more just, you know, reinforcing uh, something about, you know, the importance of positive thinking for example yeah um right uh, amazing Ama there's a tool called seo writing.ai uh another really an amazing uh website it's it's very cool so you should check out there's there's an ai for that i will I will. No, I think it's a really interesting time to be alive. I think, you know, uh, when you look at what AI could be used for, as I said, I, I think it could change the world. I just hope it changed the world for the better <laughs> right. rather than worse. Well, that's there's enough. That's, there's enough it, it, you know, I don't, it's one of the reasons I always advocate people to watch this video, uh, but I don't give too much away because uh there are no question amazing remarkable uh truly uh, life changing things that ai uh, is going to and can do uh, but there are consequences 
And in the same way, the social dilemma kind of outlined and explained what happened when we went into this whole thing. Uh, sure, there were positive things, but, you know, things like body image issues and all that other stuff related to the pressures of social media that were unintended consequences. Well, the expectation is there are going to be equal unintended consequences with this, as they call it, second contact with AI. Yeah, but I think on a positive note, if you, if you, I don't know if you read the article in the MIT Technology Review just recently, uh, I, I sign up for that because it's a really, really good website. But they're talking about, and this was just a few days ago, talking about uh, Google DeepMind and how their new AI tool helped create more than 700 new materials. So this is solar cells, batteries, computer chips, and other things. Wow. That's what I mean. I think it could be used for good. Totally. You know, some of these things would have taken months, if not years. And yeah. these are being found overnight, you know, because I guess they're finding that the AI infrastructure, which, you know, I wouldn't know where to begin to understand it, but, the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the black box that is AI infrastructure is able to make connections with things that human beings had never thought about. And that mm-hmm. blew my mind. It's like, this is what yeah. we should be using it for, finding things to help other human beings mm-hmm. rather than, you know, how to write the best ransomware email to yeah. send to people. It's like, really, what do you want to use this tool set for? Come on. Right. And, and I mean, you know, uh, look, fundamentally at a very simplistic uh, way, it's no different than the invention of a gun. Hey, we're going to be able to feed ourselves now and, you know, blah, right? But then it turns in that there's yeah. people that have other intentions. So, you oh, know, yeah, that's... shoot the neighbor who shot the, shot the deer that you wanted, yeah. It's right, like right. There's bad and good, but I think... Yeah, well, you're right. Hopefully people will see the, the good in it, you know, and continue yeah. to contribute to that. Yeah. It, the comment you made about exciting time to be alive... I've been saying that now for 40 years, uh, you know, <laughs> since too. I saw the Macintosh come out uh, and it was like, wow, this is an amazing time to be alive. Because uh, and, you know, that's what's that's what's so exciting and fun about this business, you know, is yeah, no matter when you get into it. Yeah. It, no matter when you get in, you're getting in uh, to the beginning of something. Uh, and it's exciting. Yeah. I mean, I think it'll be good for more people to have a seat at the table where, you know, these policies around AI are being made. And, and you know, luckily I'm getting to work with NIST and people like that on some of this stuff. But, yeah. you know, with this, the advent of, of IBM and, and Meta standing up this working group, are they going to be in opposition to what OpenAI want to do? Or are there going to be two camps or three camps or, you know? Right. I don't want it to end... Up, you know, we should be looking at this as a real opportunity and not being too caught up in the minutia of, well, you need a policy for that. You know, you said there's a website, there's an AI for that. I'm sure there's a website called There's a Policy for That. Right. And, you know, that, that can be the death of innovation, I think, is just having all these policies and security, which is, is why the day that when ChatGPT came out, I got together with our head counsel, Andrew Stevens, and said, we need a really simple memo preferably written by engineers for engineers in plain English that says what chat GPT is, what we can use it for and what we must not use it for. And that was right. it. That was the three paragraphs. And we sent that out. It was well received. People understood what they could and couldn't do. 
We then had yeah. an all hands and people spoke about it. We explained how we were going to deal with it as a company. And that's just allowed us, I think, to have more innovation, but also more open access to tool sets. You know, as I said, we're working with procurement. They understand what people are asking for. Right. My team knows you know, good, the bad and the ugly when it comes to different tool sets. And so we think we've got a fairly robust system in place, but it's always, it's iterative. It's always changing depending right. on what's coming out. Uh, you know, obviously we're looking at things like AWSQ. They just came out with their their chatbot. And, you mm-hmm. know, that, it's interesting. It's interesting that all these companies are chucking stuff out the door. But I think yeah. we need to be a wee bit more pragmatic and take our time and look at what's available and then how we can use it instead of just picking up one shiny ball after another and be like, okay, right. now I've got a bunch of tiny things in my hands. What do I do with them? Yeah, there's no doubt. And and we are definitely in an era of, there are lots of shiny balls uh, that are surfacing all the time yeah. right now. I mean, it's just kind of remarkable. Um, and I, on I a, wonder... On, on a side note, I was Say just going to say on a side note, I can't wait. I can't wait till the movie comes out about uh, the whole the whole OpenAI thing with oh. Sam Altman. I, <laughs> I just you, you watched know, it. I binge watched it. I binge watched the Uber story, which was good, and I, I really want to see the uh, the OpenAI story on Netflix. <laughs> so there's a movie called Blackberry. Have you seen that oh, one? Okay. No, that, I, I'm I'm oh, good to get the flight. That so one I will, up. What a great one. And, and, you know, um, based on the story of Blackberry, really funny, uh, interesting. uh, uh, And, and, I mean, we were there, right? We were in the industry. And so that's what makes it even more fun to watch. I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, Oh, I'm going to... Yeah, I'm flying to San Fran on Thursday, so that will be on my list. Yeah, I still yeah. remember the first time my boss came up to me and he, he showed me this wee, wee box with some, key, you know, a wee keyboard on it. Yeah. And I looked at him and I was like, what kind of idiot is going to walk about with that in their pocket? Who wants to get email at two o'clock in the morning? Yeah. And he's like, this is the future. And I'm thinking, this is why I'm not an entrepreneur, because I was like, that's a stupid idea. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Well, I still, I still find uh, the way Steve Jobs introduced the iPhone, because it was, I mean, BlackBerry was, you know, called Crackberry. And, you know, I mean, there were people that were just emphatically crazy about it. I mean, the keyboard was like the IBM Selectric keyboard was among secretaries back in the (laughs) 70s and 80s. I mean, uh, that was just what it was. And then, but what Steve, you know, what he so eloquently pointed out was, you know, this all this space is dedicated as opposed to being able to be used however you want that real estate right because fully half of the uh, screen was not a screen it was a keyboard and he just yep. it, it was amazing how that changed the world I, and how fast blackberry went from blackberry to no, no berry I, uh, I i remember and i'm showing my age here but i remember years ago going to one of the first security conferences it was a technology conference at that point because security was still too small but it was in london and i worked in london at the time 
And I remember I there was a tiny little Apple booth and they had an Apple Newton on display mm. and they let me play with this Apple Newton. Yeah. And I was blown away. I'm like, okay, this is the future. You know, that everything else that I'd seen was just nothing compared to this. It was a big kludgy. I mean, it was a, oh. a piece of technology that nobody really could use, but it looked so cool. You just wanted a reason to use That's it. That's exactly what and it I always was. They were, they were you know, 10 years ahead of their time, at least. I, yeah. I, to this day, I wonder what would have happened if they'd had the infrastructure in place then to support yep. the Newton as they did when they released the iPhone, you know, would, yep. would we be different? Who knows? Yeah, you know, there's no question. I think the timing's a, a, a big part of it. Have you ever seen the video? If not, look it up on YouTube. Uh, Knowledge Navigator. It's it's an no, Apple video. Oh, you've got to watch it. And um, it's from, gosh, 87, maybe? Uh yeah, something like that. I can't. I, I I can look up. I'll find it for you if you can't find. It. It's called Knowledge Navigator. Um, so I think if you search Knowledge Navigator Apple, uh, but it was Apple's vision. I mean, it was amazing because it was this professor who comes into work and he sits down at his desk and he opens up his computer and it, it looks like a book that opens up and there's a little picture of a, a guy that talks to him. But you can draw direct lines from from that whole video to technologies we have today. The little voice, the little face is Siri. Right. I mean, maybe there's not a face, but that it was Siri and Siri would this uh, Siri would say your schedule looks like this. Your mother called, you know, blah, blah. I mean, really, really well done. Yeah. Uh, talking on the phone with another professor collaborating about deforestation and they're both looking at the screen. I mean, but you have to think about that when they granted. produced it. Huh? Yeah, just all the things that we take for granted yeah, nowadays. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the way it was, and when it was put together, it was like I don't know. Do you remember AT and T did these commercials narrated by uh, Tom Selleck? I think, and it was you know you showed a, a person laying on the beach with a laptop. You know, imagine doing your email uh, from the beach. You know, you will. And that was kind of the campaign. It was the you will campaign. And it was uh -huh. a similar thing, right? Where they they would present to you these use cases that you just, you thought were really out of reach, but they were in fact right around the corner. Well, it's like when you, I don't know if you're a Star Trek fan. I suppose you must sure. be. Yes. <laughs> But I always love, there's there's a great website or there's a great article on uh, slashgear.com that I was looking at recently and they were talking about things that came, you know, the influence of Star Trek on modern technology. Right. Things like the communicators, which is basically totally. the iPhone, you know, the tablets that they used to have, or, you know, the, yeah. the medical officer always had a tablet. The, the voice-activated computers, that just, that blew my mind. I remember seeing or listening to a voice-activated computer about 30 years ago in a, 
a lab in uh, a university in Surrey. And it, hmm. I, I was just blown away. It was like, yeah. you know, Professor Falcon out of, uh, you know, <laughs> war games. Right. And I remember them saying, you're sworn to secrecy over this. You can't talk about this to anybody. And I'm like, <laughs> I need to be able to talk to somebody about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, like 3D printing as well, the replicator that they used to have, oh. um, you know, so I just, and the VR headsets, of course, with the holiday, yeah. it's yeah. just, you know, when you look at what, what, you know, Gene Rodenberry and the writers were thinking of 50, 60 years ago, however long ago yeah. it was, it's amazing. It's science fiction's, science fiction, I, I would say, has often been a place where some amazing ideas you know were first presented uh how they actually manifest themselves and come out you know they may not be exactly right but yeah the imagination of the science fiction writer pretty cool it is it's phenomenal yeah it really is and so 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 let's just take a few minutes here before i know you have to go and let's put on our thinking caps because you made a comment about the Newton, which I was uh, actually at Apple when the Newton came out. I think it was 87, uh, I believe, eight, maybe 89, something like that. Uh, it was when John Scully was there. Yeah. Um, but the infrastructure, you know, there's the four legs of, of the infrastructure stool from my per- perspective bandwidth connectivity compute and storage and all of them have become so commoditized right it's remarkable so you know and and i think you'll agree if we went back to the very first um let's say the first 20 million and on 19 maybe 85 and on if we would have really kind of started building security with the thought of the infrastructure we have today Mm -hmm. how would we build our security it would probably be more around the bit around the data not so much on the castle yeah so so all I, I guess that whole preamble is to say, so let's do a 180 and let's look forward. I mean, what's going to be happening in the next few years? Because it seems like there's a continuation of certainly miniaturization uh, of, of compute storage bandwidth uh, and connectivity. It's faster and faster. It's more and more ubiquitous. You know, where are we going? Is is Elon really on the right path with putting chips in my head? It's funny you mention that. I just got a a cochlear implant in June. I think that's maybe why I couldn't do your last talk because I was I was out. uh, Oh, really? I kept it quiet because I didn't want people yeah. to know that I wasn't this. Uh, but yeah, I was out for about a month recovering from that. And one of the first things I did, uh, I was going deaf on my left-hand side. And so that's why I got the cochlear implant. But one of the first things I did when I was deciding between the three implants that I could have had, there's three main companies in the world that do them. I wrote to each of their CEOs and said, I'm thinking about getting a cochlear implant. I work in cybersecurity. Has your device ever been hacked? And huh. only one of the companies wrote back almost immediately, a company called MedL, and they're based out of Austria. Hmm. And, as you know, I'm going to have this thing in my head. 
And I know it's not a pacemaker. I know I can't be killed if someone takes it over, but it can make me very uncomfortable. It could, it could in fact, cause some issues in my head. Yeah. And he went so far as to put me in touch with his head of product and his head of security, and I had a really good chat with them, and they did, they discussed at great length, you know, I signed an NDA, how how their systems work. And Fascinating. That. That really, you know, because obviously I was talking about Elon Musk and his his brain chips, and I said, I know I'm not getting a brain chip, but I'm getting right. a ear chip. Yeah. And, you know, I just wanted to when have we, a real Boy, I mean, Lena, anytime we start to, I mean, is, isn't this uh, the um, digital transformation? <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. this I is so. exactly yeah. what this is, right? And yeah. I think in every instance, Security has absolutely got to be right at the top of mind. And kudos to you for thinking of that. I wonder how many uh, people actually even have the forethought to, to think of that. But we, we should. People should. I think, because I think more is coming, we right? Hold, yeah, we should hold these, these companies accountable and say, if you're putting anything into a human body, can it be in any way attacked and make that human more vulnerable for having that thing in their head or their eye yeah. or their brain or whatever? And I was sadly shocked at the lack of information from the, the other two companies. I wouldn't name mm. them, but they're not hard to find. Yeah. And it kind of really wow. worried me. And the fact that this Medell company were so open and they understood, you know, the security challenges around, which is essentially the Internet of Things because it's a thing. Sure um, it is. They, they got it and they, you know, yes, I can attach the, the device to my, my Bluetooth on my phone and manage it that way, but I tend to stick just with the cabled version because it's more secure. Yeah. And, I, you know, I've, I've actually now been invited to go to their workshop and, and work with their product people and see oh, cool. how we can improve yeah, how we can improve it, and you know, I'll be the guinea pig because I have got I've got very good hearing on my right hand side. So it, it's just a really interesting way to look at technology, which I wouldn't yeah. have the chance to if I didn't go deaf. So you always look yeah. at the, I always try to look on the bright side. Um, but this, I, the advantage. It's why I love you, Lena. Yeah, you know, I mean, I do. <laughs> I think we have we have we have some similarities, not only in like kind of our uh, our tenure in this business and era and kind of the school of hard knocks and and the other things we've talked about before but you know i i am so big and such a believer in positive you know that you got to just put that positive energy no matter what you got to figure out how to turn it into a positive because the clock's not stopping yeah, you, have to. you know and and yeah. it's I mean, just you, so you- don't hold yourself hostage to that kind of thinking, yeah. right? It, it, yeah. It's, uh, it's I, I, remarkable. I think, yeah. I was in a, a CISO circle this morning, and it's almost like therapy for CISOs because it's just a, basically a bitching session for an hour. Totally. We talk about you know, the ridiculous things that are happening, and, and they get it because they're in the same world. And, yeah. you know, the, the things that we were talking about of things in the future were things like quantum computing, you know, We've got all these passwords, we've got all these systems in place today. What happens when they are eventually broken? You know, all your yep. backups that are encrypted. Yep. And I think it's things, you know, that's things that we think about as a company seriously. So we've obviously got our client side field level encryption um, 
but it's encryption. You know, it's on an algorithm that I'm sure quantum computers are, as we speak, trying to churn their way through and break them. Yeah. And so, you know, how how do you get ahead of that unless you're a company mm. like IBM with, you know, bottomless pits of money when it comes to quantum right. computing? And so just keeping an eye on it, making sure you're up to date with what's happening. We thankfully have a whole team of crypt- cryptographers here who are just fabulous. And they, you know, Ken White is our, our senior cryptographer here and he is a genius. I mean, I, I don't use that word lightly, an absolute genius. Hmm. And, you know, he can tell you what we should worry about and what we shouldn't worry about from a company standpoint and right. almost be that calming effect when people are yeah. running about like headless chickens, like, why are we doing this if quantum's going to yeah. break everything? It's like, well, just hold your horses a wee minute. This is what it yeah. can and can't do. Don't yeah. worry too much just now, but be prepared for the future, which is what I think companies should be doing. Yeah, I agree. You know, I have to mention this. I just saw, I wish I could pronounce his name, but I can't. It's an Indian name that's, you know, really long. Uh, he's a, a guru, but I, I love this little snippet because he said, you know, all our lives we're, we're taught to work hard, work harder, work harder. And then we complain about how hard work is. And he said, <laughs> you know, we should strive to work joyful. You know, to have joyful yes. work, to be joyful. And, you know, that just really hit me so well. I thought it's so true. Uh, I just, I thought it was really good. So I thought it was uh, um, a good way of yeah, kind of, you know, thinking. It is, because if you don't think positive, you're just going to get into this pit of despair. And then you'll be on chat GPT one day saying, how can I get out of this pit of despair? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and, like, and, and, and hope you get the right answer. <laughs> oh, I know. As long as it's not got too much manipulation and misinformation, will be okay. But yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, just to to end on a happy note, hopefully, I I genuinely think that AI is going to bring, bring forth changes in medicine and hopefully mental health very close to my, you know, my heart. Yeah. Uh, just... I, I just hope it's used for the right reasons. And I do think a lot of companies are taking this very seriously. They're understanding that it is rubbish in, rubbish out. There has to be a human component. The yep. computers are not going to take over the entire world. You know, yeah, some jobs will be replaced, but maybe the people who are being replaced in those jobs can do something that might be more interesting rather than right. data entry or you know, looking yeah. up a, a legal word or something like that. Yeah, you know, that's, exactly. that's the stance that we're taking as a company. You know, we're not looking to, to get rid of people and replace them with AI. We're looking to enhance what people are doing and make them more innovative and productive yeah. with AI, yes. giving them a chance to use it. You know, I think that's very important because if you've got that sort of Damocles of AI hanging over your head, you know, is my job going to go away tomorrow? You're not going to be productive. You're not going to be interested. Yep. And you're certainly not want to go to, you're not going to go to learn about what could ostensibly give you a new career. Yeah, so, no doubt. You know, I think. No doubt. In he, fact, you know, uh, uh, other than that video, Lena, the other, uh, the actual tools the how to do presentations and the other ones the uh, uh, blog writing and 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 others that website that was all from an internal uh, course that we had at checkpoint which i thought was awesome yeah. that you know they yeah. uh, you know wasn't open to the entire company but 
And it was uh, specifically to kind of say, hey, we encourage you to use this. Use it responsibly, use it intelligently, but use it. It can really right. be game changing. Yeah, we've we've got a, a little chat bot now in our, our Slack channel and we can say, hey, you know, at GPT, catch me up. And if there's like, you know, a hundred line Slack that you just cannot be arsed reading, it will give you the TLDR for it. Nice. And sometimes it gets it right. Sometimes it's quite funny. But yeah. for people who are joining a new channel and they're just like, okay, what's the salient points here? It's like, you know, catch me up. Just works. Right. It works very well in nine yeah. out of ten times and you know the tenth time is just usually a source of amusement so it's just you know gives us something to laugh at <laughs> yeah that's right and you know it uh is going to be there every day in 365 days 24 hours a day so there's that side yep. of uh what it offers too i think it's exciting times we're in uh, exciting, but also uh, terrifying in equal equal measures, I think. You just have to balance yeah. it. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. But uh, thank you so very, very much. It's it's great to see you and speak with you. I really, I mean, I always love it. I feel like I'm talking to a friend. I really do. I Me appreciate too. you so much. <laughs> so uh, thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, Global Chief Information Security Officer for MongoDB, Lena Smart. What a great, fun discussion. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And listen, subscribe, share, tell your friends. And we'll see you back here on the next episode of Talking Cloud. Thanks so very much. Mm -hmm.